Welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We are excited you've taken time out of your day to listen to our podcast. For more information about us, you may visit our website at biblicalquestion.com. We will tell you the web address again at the show's end. We encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we study the Bible. Now here is your host, Joseph. Well, hello there, and thank you for downloading our podcast. So excited that you joined us this week. Each every week, you're a regular listener. We have quite a few of those, and I am honored and blessed that we do. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to always grab it and follow along. We're going to be in the Old Testament today. We're going to be in the book of Haggai. Book of Haggai, and it's uh, one of the minor prophets, and we're going to discuss him and what he has to say. Really, the overall theme, uh, this really is going to be an overview of, of this book, it would be consider your ways and what you're doing. You know, Haggai is uh, one of the minor prophets. He's one of three prophets who, who preached to Israel after Judah would return from Babylon and their captivity. You know, Jeremiah obviously was before, and now we're, we did that last week, and I thought, well, let's do something after uh, the captivity. And so uh, his ministry uh, predates that of uh, Zechariah by probably just a few months, but he's going to uh, address the same concerns. The last prophet, uh, Malachi, would come uh, about a hundred years after this. So about a generation or so after Haggai. Cyrus, 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 excuse me, Cyrus uh, the Great made this proclamation in about 539 B.C. All people and groups that had been exiled by the Babylonians could return to their native land. Just as God had told Jeremiah that would happen, uh, it does, and here we go. And so they are able to return home, the Jewish people. For some, it seemed like a dream, and some headed back to Jerusalem, and uh, their joy could be seen in the 126th Psalm, if you want to read that. However, many of the Jews did not return to Israel, but they would stay in Babylon. And the same would be true, many people don't know this or talk about it, would be when they left Egypt. Uh, and led by Moses, there were groups of Jewish people who stayed in Egypt. But as Babylon was uh, suddenly taken over by the Persians, they, uh, they found that they could drain uh, the river that goes under the great city and the gates that stretch across the water, and the city uh, was not destroyed. But many of the Jews, really, they felt quite uh, at home in Babylon, and, and many had, you know, gone and moved into the cities around the Persian Empire. And we would see that, uh, example in the book of Esther. Uh, that's why the, uh, the letters were sent out in so many different tongues and peoples and whatnot, if you read the book of Esther, and the war and the little battles that would go on between the Jews and those people who did not like them. Uh, that's why they're in those other cities. So they, some did stay behind. But for those who did return, they're, they're really just overwhelmed by the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the walls and the gates were, were overthrown, or the temples destroyed. It's, the city is just really in ruins. And the excitement of, of re, the returning exiles, the returning Jewish people, uh, will soon be diminished by this light of reality that their city 
Uh, it's just really a heap of rubble. Again, the 126th Psalm really stirs up what's this attempt to to get back that original excitement as they left Babylon and headed home. And as the Persian Empire would offer stability, uh, these people would come and they would start to return to build their homes. And But they had made this really feeble attempt to rebuild the temple. It's, it's kind of kind of left off here but after 20 years uh, they had gained great deal of prosperity Uh, they had seen the fact that they could uh, panel the walls inside of their homes and it is an environment that the Lord sent Haggai and and Zerubbabel the the leader of the city and Joshua the high priest and we're going to be in Haggai chapter 1 and we're going to really just kind of cover the first uh, chapter mainly but and i'm going to highlight some other parts as well but the lord tells us that he's aware that the people in jerusalem were saying that it's not yet time to rebuild the lord's house and he's going to challenge the people through haggai that they really needed strongly to reconsider this they had already completed the work on their homes and uh, by the way the lord's house uh, continues to to remain in ruins and so this seems kind of a the long and the short of it, but the economic uh, downturn at the time, Haggai mentions that there was a drought and that their harvest of grain and wine had fallen well short of the expected uh, results. You know, I live in a farming community, and there's always the uh, prediction about the upcoming harvest, and they always talk about it when it's over and how well it was or was not. So the price of these commodities, just like in today's world, has really soared because they did not have an abundance of it. Uh, the market was not flooded with, with grain or, or grapes or whatever. And so their wages have been in, put in this bag with holes in it, basically. And I would suppose that this might have entered into the minds of, of the people there, but they needed to address uh, the situation rather than going and rebuilding the temple. They're more worried about their personal well-being, their personal wealth. What they really don't realize is that God has sent them this drought really to get their attention. Uh, the reason the crops were failing is because the people have failed to give the thanks to the Lord, uh, the attention that God uh, was due. And they did not need an economist or some kind of specialist in their agriculture to fix their problem. They, they really just needed to repent. And when trouble comes to the, to the nation, one would ask whether or not the, this natural disaster or is this a man-made disaster? Or is this a message from God uh, for him and, and to give the glory that he's due? I, I see that a lot today. If I would sit here... And stand on this street corner, which I, I have told people in the farming community, uh, you want to get through your drought? Maybe you're not paying attention to God. Uh, natural disasters and things. Uh, perhaps that is a God's way of giving them a wake-up call. And, and the people respond here in, in chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, that uh, Zechariah, Joshua, and all the people believed that the message which Haggai had spoken 
And so they, they would obey the word and they would begin the work again of rebuilding God's house, the temple. And the Lord was responded. He's pleased. Hey, I'm glad that you're doing this. I, I am with you. And the Lord would provide them with an encouragement to begin. And at first it seems that the plans were drawn up and the materials were gathered and, and three weeks or so had passed as we get into uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel the son and the governor of Judah, to Joshua the high priest, and the remnant of the people, and ask them, who of you is left who saw this house? It is of its former glory. How does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? Verse 4. But the strong Zerubbabel declared to the Lord, Be strong, Joshua the son of the high priest. Be strong, all of you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Verse 5. This is what I conveyed with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the, what is desired by all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house would be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And so the work begins uh, just as they started, as the foundation's not yet been laid, and it seems uh, the plan for the new temple was far more uh, humble than Solomon's. And this would have led to another round of discouragement. So the Lord, he's going to nip this in the bud, as we'd say. Uh, one must realize that the temple that Solomon had built was in the time of Israel's great prosperity. A, a work that scales were, were not possible in, in Haggai's time as far as human capacity uh, was concerned. But the Lord reaffirmed with them that he was with them on this project, and which all really should just be the only thing that really matters, that his spirit is with them. So Haggai goes off in, into this prophecy of future times when he says the Lord said it will be a little while and the Lord's house uh, may not look like much now, but it's going to be the glory in the future. And it, there's going to be a major shakeup and this shakeup will include heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land. I mean, it goes on and on just like we just read here. And all the glory of this house, again, is where the presence of the Lord shall abide. How neat would that be? And so Haggai will, will go in and he's going to use a parable. If the priest is in his holy uh, attire, uh, toughened up this common food, what would, what would make it holy? The peaceful answer, no. Uh, doesn't matter what that priest does. If the holy priest touches a dead body, will it be will he become unclean? And they would say, Yeah. And the point God is really trying to make 
here is that the people needed to consecrate themselves to the holy task, and it takes holy hands to build a temple. And this is what they needed to do before a single stone was laid. And so uh, they needed to be a reminder uh, over and over again, as we do in our day and time, that the former lack of, of diligence is shown that that they are unclean in their thinking, they're unclean in their actions. And so when the foundation of the Lord's house would be laid, uh, the Lord restored the, the food and the wine, the Lord blessed the people, the material, the prosperity, because they had put God first. You know, and I think of uh, uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You know, seek first the kingdom of God in His righteousness, and all these things would be added to you. And I think this is a lesson that we all can learn. And as we finish out, you know, through chapter 2 here, God will remind the people again that there's this great shaking. It will overthrow earthly kingdoms, uh, the armies before them, and so forth. And God has promised to establish uh, Zerubbabel. Uh, and, and I really, I think there's some overtones here. There's some uh, really common things here over Second Samuel chapter 7 and the first 14, 15 verses there. And I think if you would sit down and compare this, it, it really says that David, who lived in an expensive house of cedar, he really felt bad that God was, he was living in a tent. You know, a home is a lot more comfortable uh, than a tent, for most people anyway. And so David wants to build this uh, house, a proper dwelling for the Ark of the Covenant, for God to dwell in, in a house of cedar. And, you know, the prophet Nathan in David's time at first said, oh, that's a really a great idea, David, go ahead. Uh, but God would talk to uh Nathan that night and tell him to go back and talk to David and says basically you know Solomon your son will build it but that doesn't stop David he if you study uh, the life of David you would see at the end he is stockpiled all kinds of cedar and, and gold and, you know ways of building this temple and paying for it and and so that Solomon, all he's got to do is hire the construction crew to put it up, basically. And, you know, do we have that in our own homes today? Do we not make, uh, make God feel welcome there? Do, do we have God put in a tent out in the backyard somewhere and only call him in when we need something? You know, this idea of uh, prayers in and blessings out, as we've talked about before. And, we need to have God in our homes, in our lives, and wherever it is that we do and work and say, we're at school, we need to allow God to be there with us. Even Solomon, you know, in his dedication of the first temple, which was a very glorious temple in its description, and it was recognized that this temple was totally inadequate for the majesty of God. You know, that no man-made structure really could ever do God justice. But David's heart was in the right place. And, it, and listeners, I, I've said this once, I've probably said it a hundred times. It's always been about a heart issue since Genesis. 
It really has. Um, God always wants us to have our heart in the right place, to do the right things, not only with each other, with our family, friends, neighbors, whatever, but with Him. It's always been about having a, a servant heart, you know. Um, you know, David is, is quoted as being a man after God's own heart. And I know there was a guy one time in Chicago area, he says, well, I don't see how that could be. He was a murderer and, a, and, a, and an adulterer. Oh, yeah, he was. There's no doubt. But there's no doubt that God forgave him. And there's no doubt that, you know, he made some mistakes. Uh, he sinned, uh, probably more than just a mistake. Sometimes that's a light word. But he did some really bad things. He did some very wrong things. Again, I... You never really see David in trouble again uh, like he did. You know, he he committed a really bad sin, uh, slept with another man's wife, got her pregnant, and then he tries to cover it up, you know, by committing a murder. But uh, David just doesn't do that again. Uh, and Jesus said, David, it was a man after God's own heart. And Jesus says so, then it's got to be so. And so... Uh, we can think about whatever Jesus uh, would ask, actually say about David. He praises David, says, hey, you know, and, and that's the example that we need to be following. The Lord was content to have his presence in the tabernacle with his people in a tent. But we can even think about, again, Jesus, was he, was he happy uh, just sitting on his throne and, uh, his spirit, you know, on his throne up in heaven. Uh, now he, he will come and he will become man. He will become flesh, as John chapter 1 tells us. He will become a man. God became man and dwelled among us. It was this promise that Christ would come forth from his ancestry who would give great splendor forever and ever. And that is through David, uh, through Christ, through the blood and the crucifixion and that empty tomb that we all can look and say, hey, I want that. There was a price that was paid for my sin. There was a price paid for everything I've done wrong. There is forgiveness. There is hope. And I can be with God forever in his kingdom in heaven and I'm going to tell you right now, heaven's got to be gazillions, billions of times more wonderful and beautiful than any temple or tent that a man could erect for God to live in. I mean, look, he created the entire universe that we can see and that, a lot of, that we can't see, whether that be physically or spiritually. And so God, God is... God, He is the Almighty Creator, and we need to always understand who He is. The question, I think, uh, oh, Zerubbabel, I think I should point out here too, I kind of come to mind, He's a descendant of David in this promise, but He was not the Christ, He was not the Messiah, and yet through Him that Christ would be born in just a few, you know, hundred years down the road. So the question remains, why the Lord told Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the people to even rebuild the Lord's house in Jerusalem? 
And I think part of this concept uh, of a little while, the temple would stand as a symbol of this greater temple, the greater uh, than the one that was built by Solomon or later by Herod, which is the temple that Jesus would be walking through. They were to rebuild because they were neglectful of the promises of God. So the situation was different than the one which David was in. David's heart was in the right place, even though he didn't understand that this is what the Lord who has made us, we had not made the Lord. I think this should serve as a caution about interpreting Scripture. I mean, some people could preach from Haggai and supporting the church and, and engaging in a new building program. Uh, I, and I've watched it said and done that way. But David was not told to build, and Zerubbabel uh, was tasked to rebuild a decision uh, to engage in a church building plan should come from God. It, it may indeed be the Lord will help you expand or rebuild, but we must not proof text this. We need to be praying about plans. Uh, we need to ask God to help confirm those plans. And this is just not true for, I think, a building program, but any new ministry uh, the congregations may want to undertake. We must remember that God wants us to, uh, to build up toward Him. And that includes any building program. To, it does not mean that uh, it would change our status, uh, any promises from God. It's, it's much, much littler now that we kind of shake up all these desires of, of all these nations and everybody wants bigger and better and it doesn't matter what country I've been in. They, they always want, you know, glory and glamorous things. And I think that's part of being human and that nature. But we got to be careful how much of that human sinful nature that we allow to come in. We must keep everything in mind. There is a far greater building that God has built. I mean, Jesus has promised hey, I, I'm going to my father's house. I'm, uh, there's many mansions there. Maybe that's really a poor interpretation. It's more many rooms there uh, for all of his followers and believers that are in his kingdom. And, and a room, a simple room is much better than any room that I probably have ever can imagine here on earth. And we need to keep this in mind always and everything that we do and say that there is a room waiting for us if we are faithful and obedient to the gospel message. You know, I know many people who listen to this podcast uh, are in nations where it's not real popular to be a Christian. It's really difficult to get good biblical information, may not even own a Bible, may not be able to even download a Bible. And so if you're listening today, I want you to know I pray for you and if you're just meeting in a park or uh, in a corner of your house somewhere or up on the roof, whatever, it doesn't matter. As long as you're assembling there in the name of the Lord to worship Him in spirit and truth to the best of your knowledge and abilities that you've been handed and pray that God would send Bibles, pray that God would send you a missionary 
who would teach you the entire Word of God, not just their favorite topic or denominational subject, but start from in the beginning to that word Amen in Revelation. I encourage you to, to, to hang on, and God has a time plan. And I've said it earlier, I've said it in other podcasts, God's time plan and timetable are much different than mine, always has been, but his timing's always been perfect. Again, I want to thank you for listening. Know that I pray for my listeners. Please pray for me and this podcast and the efforts that's going forth here. Uh, if you can uh, tell others about us, that would be great. Tell them how you found us. Hit that like button and follow us. Uh, we are no longer on Facebook. We were put Facebook jail. In fact, they've shut us down now, I believe. And that's okay. We don't need to be in that type of book. We just need to be in the book called The Bible, God's Word. Again, thank you for listening. May God bless you, and may He always have the glory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to hit the like button and follow us on your podcasting app. Please check out our website at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. In addition, we have a prayer request page, a way of contacting us, a statement of faith, and other resources for our listeners. Do you have a Bible question you would like answered on a future podcast or prayer request? We would be honored to hear from you and add your prayer request to our list so others may pray for you. Subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on our social media accounts. Again, that is biblicalquestion.com. Thank you, and may He have the glory.